Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 203. Do you have a Judas in your circle? The thing is, I could use this title even with a group of people who do not know pretty much anything about the Bible, and yet they might very well know who Judas is or at least what Judas is famous for. It reminds me of the name Jezebel. Like, who in the world would name their kid Jezebel because even those who do not have biblical knowledge know that the name Jezebel is not a flattering name. They know that a person named Jezebel had to be someone who made unwise and evil decisions. Same thing for Judas. We're talking today about traitors. It's where we are in the scripture talking about King David and Absalom, who was a traitor as well. But we're going to be talking about someone who was in David's inner circle. And this person had the ear of the king and flipped. And over the next, what, probably two to three weeks, his name is going to come up repeatedly. And I decided that we would just chop out one week just to talk about Ahithophel And those like him who are famous for their traitorous deeds. Now, I came upon an article. Of course, I googled traitors. And I knew that Judas would be amongst that list. But I wasn't sure who might also be on that list. My brain just wasn't functioning that well. I guess. And there's another one that is almost as famous. So I ended up on this list. It's it's a blog post. And it's called The Ten Worst Traitors in History. It was written in 2016. And if you hear some sounds that are in the background, I apologize for that. Even though it's a gorgeous day in South Louisiana, it's windy as can be. And I have a flag right outside my window and it keeps making noise. And I cannot, hopefully sound counseling, canceling, will take care of that. But if not, do know that that is what the sound is. So in this article, the person who wrote it, the author, brings up an interesting point. He He notes that the idea of a traitor kind of depends on your perspective. I'm going to read a little bit about one of the most famous traitors of all time. But as this guy mentions, from an American perspective, Benedict Arnold is a traitor. From a British perspective, 
Benedict Arnold would be a hero. And I thought that was such an interesting thought. Now, it doesn't always happen that way. There are some people, like Judas, who other than Satan thinking that he was a hero, like, he's not a hero to anybody. But Benedict Arnold, because of the deed he did, he he accomplished something great for the British, but he burned every bridge with Americans. So here we go. I'm reading from this blog post. It says, there've been a number of traitors in American history, but Benedict Arnold was the first. Benedict Arnold began his military career with the Continental Army in 1775 and distinguished himself early on with the capture of Fort Ticonderoga. Benedict Arnold was essential to a number of other colonial victories, but became disheartened at the internal squabbling of the Continental Congress, as well as the continual overlooking of his accomplishments and potential for promotion by his superiors. Benedict Arnold was eventually awarded command of the fort at West Point, New York, now the West Point Military Academy. In 1780, Arnold began secret negotiations with the British in which he outlined colonial troop positions and the locations of various weapons depots. His treachery culminated in the negotiations to hand over the fort at West Point to British control. His plans were ultimately foiled, but not before Arnold switched sides entirely and became a brigadier general for the British Army. To add insult to injury, he then led a British force to capture Richmond, Virginia, and pillage the surrounding countryside. After Cornwallis's surrender at Yorktown, Benedict Arnold fled for England to escape retribution for his deeds. Benjamin Franklin compared him to an aforementioned infamous traitor when he said, Judas sold only one man, Arnold, three million, cementing Benedict Arnold's treachery into the American psyche forever. And I just, I cannot help but think about this idea of being a traitor. As you can see, in this case, Benedict Arnold's reason for his traitorous choices was because he didn't feel like he was getting all that he wanted. And so he did subterfuge, and then he just came flat out and switched sides. Same thing for Judas. So... As I am recording this, we are at the end of January of 2023, and the wildly popular crowdfunded show, The Chosen, is finishing up the third season with two episodes left to go, which will appear in theaters this upcoming week. And there's a lot of different comments about The Chosen, but one of the many, many, many things that this show has accomplished in my life, 
And I believe it has in the lives of many Christ followers is the fact that it's caused us to step back and go to scripture to better understand the character or lack thereof of the disciples of characters like Mary Magdalene of Jesus's mother, Mary, and on and on and on. And one of the disciples that has definitely caused my brain to think more about is Judas. So in scripture, there's not a whole lot about Judas. We're going to read some of the verses here in a little bit. But in the, in the story, because it, The Chosen is a show that starts out with the biblical narrative. But then the creator, Dallas Jenkins, and his co-writers, they then add in backstories that they have created. So they, they take the biblical narrative and the story that is the story of Judas and his betrayal of Christ, but then they build in a relationship of how he might have been called and how he might have interacted with the others. Not that it is how it happened, but just the, the ponderings. And it's caused me to think about the fact that Judas would have walked alongside Jesus for about three years. And Jesus's situation is different than any other in history because he knew that not only Judas, the disciple, was walking alongside him, but Judas, the one who would betray him, was walking alongside him. Most of us do not know that nor, because they wouldn't be walking alongside us if we knew that they were going to be a traitor. We'll come back to Judas here in just a little bit. I want you to think about our weekly assignment feature now is to prayerfully ask the Lord to reveal any Judases in your life and how to best deal with them. Christ allowed Judas to be part of his 12. Those that walked alongside him, those that heard his plans, those that saw who he was on a daily basis for most of Christ's ministry. And that was part of how the story was meant to be whether we ever understand that this side of heaven or not. But with Ahithophel, it's a different story because David's clueless. Just like King David was clueless that Absalom, for three years I think it was, had been going behind his back, going to the people, getting their loyalty to the to him pulling that loyalty away from David 
and it's wondered that maybe Ahithophel could possibly have been one that was giving Absalom some inside information and helping guide this process. Because as we've talked for the last two to three weeks, we've talked about Absalom. We've talked about how he went about pulling the loyalty from David so that he can pull the rule pull the rug out from under David. And as Absalom gets ready to make his move, we see in 2 Samuel 15, 12 that I read last week, but now that is one of our main focal verses. It says, while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, one of David's counselors who lived in Gilo. Soon many others also joined Absalom and the conspiracy gained momentum. Ahithophel, if he was not already a part of the conspiracy, how do you think he would have ended up being at Absalom's beck and call if he was truly one of David's main advisors, which he was, that's not a question. If he truly was there and had been loyal to David, why would Absalom have called for him? Ahithophel was a traitor to David before Absalom made his move. It, it doesn't seem that it's possible that just on a dime, Ahithophel turned. Ahithophel, for a time, had been part of the plottings of Absalom and had either let them go or had helped them. Somebody does not usually become a traitor overnight. It's usually a process. And they are probably going to take advantage of their position of perceived power as long as they can before they expose themselves to the ridicule of being a turncoat. In 2 Samuel 16, 23, which we, so we're not to this part, but as I'm saying, we're kind of walking along with Ahithophel and we're following him through part of the narrative so that we can kind of see the similarities between he, him, and Judas, as well as think about in our own life, do we have Ahithophels that sit around the table with us? Maybe the personal table, or maybe maybe the professional table, or sadly, the table in church. But Second Samuel sixteen twenty three, after David is left, and like mournfully walks out of the city, which we will come to that next week, and we will look more at David's sad march from Jerusalem. It says, Absalom followed Ahithophel's advice, just as David had done. For every word Ahithophel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. I wanted to pull that out because 
we know that Ahithophel's advice was definitely not wise as though it came directly from the mouth of God. But that's how David had seen it, and now that's how Absalom is seeing it. And I don't know, one to two weeks from now, we're going to see some of that advice. And it's awful. Like, it is just absolutely so not from God. But that's how we can get ourselves into trouble when we are trusting somebody and trusting them so completely and not listening for the words of the Lord. Where we, instead of trusting the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, if you are a Christ follower, we begin to trust so much the humans around us and ignore the Holy Spirit who has all wisdom. And Ahithophel, when it's all said and done, and it doesn't turn out the way he wants because God intervenes on David's behalf and Absalom's short reign of terror ends. This is how Ahithophel ends his earthly life. When Ahithophel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, set his affairs in order, and hanged himself. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. So he committed suicide. He turned his back on David, which would have been turning his back on the Lord if he ever knew the Lord and ever followed the Lord, which we do not know one direction or another. We just know how he acts during this time. We know that David had trusted him. And then now Absalom is trusting him. And when Ahithophel sees that this is not working out as he had planned, he kills himself. And so I think you can see, if you know anything about the biblical narrative, the story of Christ, you can definitely see comparisons to Judas. In Mark 3, 16a through 19, it says, Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose. And it goes through Simon Peter and the whole bunch. And then the very last one listed is Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. He was a chosen disciple. He was a chosen one to walk alongside Christ. And of course, Christ being of the lineage of David. 
very similar to David's story in the fact that Ahithophel walked alongside him and was an advisor of his, a very trusted advisor. Judas was entrusted with the power to cast out demons. So that's, again, going back to the show The Chosen, that's one of the the many things that you just, you you see the disciples, because there was an episode where they were going out two by two, and you see the enactment of them casting out demons, and it kind of slaps you in the face that Judas was among the group. They were preaching and they were healing and they were casting out demons. This one that would betray Christ was given the same power as the other apostles. It just causes one to sit back and ponder. I think they've done a great job of casting the fella who is playing the part of Judas as I, I just can't even imagine how it's going to play out during the portrayal. I know what the story is. I just seeing it on the screen will make it even more real. It'll be another reminder of the pain that this was to Christ's heart. Even though he knew it was coming, his humanity still loved this man that he had called. Just like David would have been hurt by the betrayal of Ahithophel. John 12, 4 through 6. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. And so we can see that when Judas turned, it didn't happen overnight. He had been dipping into the disciples' collected money for quite some time. And when the perfume is used to anoint Jesus, he's livid because this perfume is expensive. And he's thinking, why in the world didn't I get my hands on that kind of money? He's very money-driven. Ahithophel, we're not sure what he's driven by. Is he driven by revenge at David for some reason? That's one of the things in one of the commentaries it was thought. But he's driven by something, some sort of vengeance against David, unless it's ambition thinking that Absalom is going to make him even more of an authority than David did. You never know what causes someone to be a traitor. Judas, it was money. Ahithophel, we're not sure. Maybe vengeance toward David. 
especially with the advice that he gives Absalom in, again, in a week or two, we'll talk about the just horrid advice that he gives. You can tell how evil the man is. It would appear that he's a traitor because he holds a grudge against David. And then we get to Matthew 26 through 27. And this is the last section of Jesus's life here on earth before the crucifixion. And we've got the plot to kill Jesus. Jesus is anointed at Bethany. And we get to verse 14. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. This is when he made that final turn because this money-hungry fella now sees that this teacher that he's following is not going to be the Messiah that's going to conquer and Judas is going to be rolling in the dough, so to speak. But this teacher he's following is not going in the direction that he wants to go. And he's ready to end this. He wants the money and he wants out. Verse 47, and even as Jesus said this, so praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says that even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priest and elders of the people. The traitor Judas was given, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Oh, yay, 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 yay. Oh, does that not hurt your heart? It hurts my heart to read it. My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Again, Jesus knew this was going to happen. And it was part of the story. Part of history. But it still hurts. It would have still hurt his heart. And then Jesus is arrested. Peter denies Jesus. And then we get to chapter 27 of Matthew. It says, Very early in the morning, the leading priest and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What a weak air, they retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priest picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it was payment for murder. 
After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field and they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the field of blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. You know, listening and reading the stories of Ahithophel, Judas, and others, it's It's one thing to read the story. It's another thing to have experienced to a heart level betrayal. Earlier, just earlier today, now that I'm thinking about it, I have the most random things come across my Twitter feed. Twitter has become my prayer platform because people put prayer requests out there all the time. And this young lady, she wrote that she and her husband had been separated for a few months and the divorce was final last week. And she just got a text from him stating that he had a girlfriend. And this young lady realized this was not her new relationship for him, that he had betrayed her, trust, their vows for quite some time. That kind of pain, that kind of pain where you trust somebody with your heart, with your dreams and then the kiss the kiss of betrayal and the pain and the questioning that comes as we walk with David through these next few weeks and as we hear the continued story of Ahithophel and how he plays a crucial role in the choices that Absalom makes in an effort to destroy David and to fully have grasp on the kingdom of Israel. Let's be reminded first to do what the weekly assignment feature is and to prayerfully ask the Lord to reveal you in Judas's in your life and how to deal with them. But pray for those around you. You may automatically be thinking of someone in your life that you know they have a Judas in their midst. 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 I can't even say the word. Midst. They have a Judas in their midst and they don't know it. And you know it and you may have told them, but they just don't see it. Pray that God will open up their spiritual eyes and ears before it is too late. 
as we finish up this story, I just keep feeling God pressing upon me to challenge you that as you think about any Judases that you've had in your life, have you forgiven them? And you may be throwing the phone at the moment, throwing the laptop, whatever you're listening to this podcast on. But when Christ was on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Judas would have been included in that mixture. Now, we have no idea Judas's spiritual condition when he died. We know that he had remorse. We do not know what that remorse turned to before he hung himself. But you may have a traitor that has no remorse. But because you have the love of Christ in you and because you have been forgiven for sin that nailed Christ to the cross, God will give you what you need to be able to forgive, to let go of any and all bitterness you hold in your heart and to move forward in victory. So this story is not just about the traitors, but this is about the hearts that have been broken, the bank accounts that have been drained, the stories of lives that have been changed. But allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in you so that you will be able to move forward My favorite verse in all of scripture is Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord to them who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that all things are good. It says that God can work all things. God can even work out the traitorous acts Judas's choice led to Christ's crucifixion. And Christ's crucifixion led to the forgiveness of our sins. Did Judas cause the crucifixion? Absolutely not. Jesus gave himself willingly. His blood and his sacrifice paid the sin debt for us all.
if we are willing to accept his gift of forgiveness, we need to forgive. A scripture says, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. If you have any questions, if you just want to yell at me for that matter, you can write me an email at encouragingothersinlovingjesus at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to pray for you. If you say, I want to forgive, I don't want to carry this with me anymore, but I have no idea how to do that, reach out to me and I will, number one, pray for you. And number two, I will give you what guidance the Holy Spirit gives to me. Let me pray for you before we get off. Dear Father, when I started into this podcast today, I I didn't know you were going to take it into the direction that you did, but I'm thankful. I am so very thankful. I'm thankful for your forgiveness for my sin. I thank you that you do not give up on me. I thank you for Peter, who we weren't talking about today, but Peter denied you three times. And then you used him as an instrument in the early church to start the spread of the gospel, which has changed the world forever. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your example of forgiveness. Thank you for your sacrifice, which has led to our forgiveness for all sin. But please give each of us the courage to forgive as you forgave us. I thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, if you have any questions, reach out. Let me know. We have social media accounts. Twitter, Instagram, we've got a Facebook group encouraging others in loving Jesus. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but you are curious, you can click on the link that says, I want to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can learn more, or you can zip me an email and just say, hey, what about this Jesus relationship thing? I, I don't know. Like, all I know about is religion. I don't know anything about a relationship. I would love to talk to you. Got information down below. Oh, and on each of my podcasts for, I don't know, probably the last 100, 150, I have a link to the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, which seems very fitting because that was the choice that Ahithophel and Judas both chose. They both chose to commit suicide or complete suicide, I guess the better terminology in this day and time but if you're struggling with regrets and you are considering ending your life please dial 988 which is the new national suicide and crisis lifeline or you can text and get help and then the information for the hidden episodes the first episodes of the podcast that link is also down below so If you haven't looked at the show notes, check them out because I put a lot of stuff down in there to give you resources about what we discuss each week. And 
as we sign off each and every week, remember it's always a trust and obey kind of day. <music>